Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a devotional reflection upon the New Testament lesson from the Order for Evening Prayer from the Book of Common Prayer 1928. These reflections are written and presented by Father Charles Erlinson, who serves at the Church of the Good Shepherd Reformed Episcopal Church in Tyler, Texas. Today is Wednesday of the 17th Sunday after Trinity. The lesson is taken from Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 through 50. Wherefore I say unto you, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good, and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt, and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I speak unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account therefore in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Then certain of the scribes of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here." The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation, and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest, and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out, and when he is come he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he, and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother, and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. There is a lot of attention paid to the Holy Family, especially at Christmas, and rightfully so. Mary in particular gets an extra measure of devotion from both Roman Catholics and Orthodox Christians. And so today I want to talk about the Holy Family, which is the family of God. I can't say that I have a lot of insights into what went on in Jesus' family when he was growing up. 
I know what you know, about the Annunciation of Jesus' birth to Mary, and the humble and faithful way she received news of the great blessing, about the shepherds and angels that attended Jesus' birth, about Joseph's great obedience through it all, about the Magi who came later, and about that one event in the temple when Jesus was twelve. So it is with great interest that I read that Jesus' family, Mary and his brothers, show up unexpectedly to see Jesus. With the special reverence that is given to Mary by many Christians, we might expect that Jesus would rush to greet her and show her great public reverence. But strangely, we never actually get to hear what Jesus says to Mary. He doesn't really seem all that concerned that she's there. In this story, Mary can wait and is secondary. Secondary to what? That's the beautiful part of this little story tucked away at the end of Matthew 12. What is it that Jesus is so concerned about that he ignores Mary, his mother? The surprising thing is that it's us. It's his disciples. We might expect Jesus to uncross his legs, bound up to a standing position, and go running to meet Mary, leaving his disciples in the lurch. But he doesn't. Instead, he answers the one who told him his mother and brothers were waiting outside to speak to him by saying, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? In other words, there is something here that at this moment is more important than my mother, even though she's Mary. And then he stretches out his hand towards his disciples and says, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. What an astonishing statement. Do you see what Jesus has done? He has elevated us to the position of Mary. It's possible that his earthly mother was not doing the will of the Heavenly Father at this time. Perhaps she was taking him away from doing the will of the Father, which was to teach his disciples, or maybe she was even attempting to get him to lay low, so that he couldn't get into trouble with the Jewish authorities, and thus actually acting contrary to the will of the Father. Certainly Peter did that. Regardless of the speculation, he places the will of his perfect Heavenly Father above the will of his fallible and earthly mother. This is not to take anything away from Mary or Demoter. She's not really the point. We are. Jesus' teaching to his disciples is meant to shock us, because what Jesus is in fact doing is elevating us to himself. He is the perfect Son, who perfectly does the will of the Heavenly Father. It's not that I have a low view of Mary, it's that I have a high view of what Jesus does for everyone who is truly his disciple. Mary first, but also us if we do the will of the Father and love the Son. Just as the Holy Spirit entered into Mary, the Holy Spirit enters into us. I'm not suggesting in an identical way. Jesus has raised us up to be members of his family just as important as his mother. What Jesus is doing is something as miraculous as what God did with Mary when he brought Jesus to her by the Holy Spirit. What Jesus is doing is bringing us to himself, and therefore to the Father, that we might be one with him. What Jesus is doing is bringing us up to heaven with him, if we will do the will of the Father. He is telling us that he desires for us to be one with him, as he is one with the Father. How will this happen? The same way that he is one with the Father, by obedience to the will of the Father. That's what he came to do, and that's what we are supposed to be doing. In this passage, therefore, Jesus brings us into his family, the Holy Family. Imagine if you really were one of Jesus' brothers or sisters in Nazareth. What would it have been like? Wouldn't it have been great? Maybe, maybe not. It didn't do much good to his brothers, at least not as first, who originally didn't believe in him. But we're dreaming far too small. When I say that Jesus is making us members of his holy family, I don't mean just Mary and Joseph and James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. I mean that he's making us members of that far greater holy family, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What does it take, therefore, to participate in the life of the Holy Trinity, Jesus' holy family? That's a question worthy of an answer. It's a dream too magnificent and blessed to dream, 
except that Jesus has held it out as our potential reality. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Think about this today, that every time you do the will of the Father, you are united to the Son and thereby the Holy Trinity. Every time you act like a son or daughter of God by obeying like a son or daughter of God, you are a son or daughter of God. Every time you do the will of the Father, you demonstrate that you belong to Jesus Christ and are a part of his family. Growing up in the 60s and 70s, I felt very blessed to be a part of the Erlinson family, in which I had two wonderful parents and three wonderful siblings. We enjoyed each other's company and shared many pleasant and profound experiences. But now I'm part of an even more blessed family, the family of Jesus Christ. That family extends all the way up to heaven where my older brother Jesus prays for me, but it also extends to the hundreds and hundreds of saints in my family that I've met so far here on earth. Today, this is my motivation for obedience. It's not the fear of disobedience and punishment that motivates me today. It's the possibility of participating in my holy family, the family of God. I will obey today, not out of fear or even duty, but out of the love and joy that comes from being united to God the Father through the Son. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Give Us This Day Evening Edition is a presentation of Always with Christ Radio, radio in the Anglican way.